My name's Casey Must. I'm the owner and founder of Citizen Yoga in Detroit and Cleveland. And you are listening to After Class. After Class is our podcast that helps to expand on topics that we speak about in class, that hopefully provides insight and new resources for you to manage and improve your own mental health, expand your community, and have a deeper, uh, more internalized, positive relationship with yourself. Um, I'm really excited about our guest today. Uh, Sarah Brabs and I met at Zingposium. She was a speaker. uh, And one of the things that really sat with me was her ability to talk about communication and behavior in a way that um, was empowering and mentioned tendencies of mine that I wasn't really conscious of. And so uh, today's podcast, we're going to break down some of those. I'm going to talk a little bit about um, the situations that I've experienced and how Sarah's helped me. And then we'll dig deep into sort of relationships and communication around intimacy, work relationships, and a bunch of other topics. So, um, Sarah, welcome. Thank so you. happy to have you. Thanks. It's good to be here. And I just want to mention Sarah's website. Um, her website is sarahbrabs.com, S-A-R-A-H-B-R-A-B-B-S.com. So if you are interested, um, she does a ton of speaking events and that's obviously, mm-hmm. how we met. Mm-hmm. So I'm so glad. Virtual conference. Virtual, con- virtual yes, conference. Virtual yes, conference. Yeah. Yes. Long Zoom days. Yes. Yes. Long Zoom days. But it was great. It was. And, you know, I think that um, afterwards I reached out to Sarah and this is, I don't think that this happens all the time, um, but people make themselves available. And especially when you listen to a speaker and they like say something and it sparks this like aha moment. I don't think everybody's as responsive. And um, afterwards, I reached out to Sarah. Actually, she reached out to me and was like, hey, I know you wanted to reach out to me. Mm -hmm. I was like, wow, who is this woman? Mm -hmm. And um, she spent an hour on the phone with me. And I'm I'm super excited to talk about some of those things that we mentioned. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. So your mission um, is to help people learn about behaviors and communication that they didn't even know they needed to learn about. Mm Mm-hmm. What does that mean? If you if you look at my if you look at my mission on my website, that was the most succinct I could say what I'm trying to say. I've spent I've spent 15 years trying to figure out if there's a better way to say that, and I still have not figured anything out. It's basically helping people see what they didn't know they mm-hmm. needed to see mm-hmm. and learn about themselves and their communication and their behavior, which of course translates to their relationships, their community, their lives, their impact. So there's just we have we all have blind spots. I think yeah. everybody knows that. Yes. But but there's gold in some of our blind spots that can make our lives so much richer and yeah. better and easier actually. So I think that that was something that uh, you put words to something that I felt really ashamed about. Uh, one of the things that um, stuck out to me when Sarah was speaking, and maybe you can explain what I'm trying to explain about it, but essentially what I have found out about myself in running Citizen and being in a community is that once I feel or I know that another person, and I would actually say particularly women, Mm -hmm. have sort of a negative idea of who I am or a strong belief about how and why I do things, even if it's not true, which is the scary part, like, oh, that's not really me. Why do they, why do they think that about me? Mm-hmm. I start acting like that unconsciously, and then I'll leave the situation like, man, 
that's not me. Why, why did I do that? And I thought I was just like a bad person or like, oh, I'm just not good enough to be a leader because I do this. And when you started talking about it, I've never, I had never mentioned it to anybody. It was just something that I was watching inside of myself. And you put words to something that I didn't even know other people knew about or didn't know that I could actually do it better. You didn't know it was a thing. No, it is a thing. I didn't know it was a thing. So maybe can you tell us what this thing is? Yes, yeah. So it's so funny she says this because this this happened to be an aside that I just casually mentioned as an example of something I was talking about. And she sends me a message in the Zoom chat towards the end of the day saying, oh, I forget what you said, but you basically said I, you had this major aha moment, something that you've been dealing with in yourself and trying to figure out for years mm-hmm. that you had never found anyone that could help you unpack it. You didn't even, you know, and I just, so of course, of course, that's why I reached out to her because I wanted to hear more about this aha moment that she had that was probably something I didn't even really remember saying. Yeah. So anyway, what it, what it was is I said something about how We spend a lot of time uh, focusing on how people see us and what they think about us, which is in that's their world, that's their business, that's their thing. But we spend a lot of time attached to who they think we are, Mm -hmm. and that can affect us really negatively. It can change if we are super attached to it and really concerned and focused on it. It can actually change our behavior, like you mentioned. Mm -hmm. But beyond that, it wastes a lot of time and energy because we can't control what people think. (laughs) And so there, we get in this, without even realizing it, we get really fixated on on kind of trying to change someone's perception Mm -hmm. or trying to change what they think and trying to, and especially women, we're so socialized to make peace and have relationships and communicate, and especially here in our country in the U.S. and we are good at it. So when someone has a, what we feel like is an incorrect perception or experience of us, we naturally, especially if you have any good customer service, whatever you're used to dealing with people who aren't happy, there's usually really valid points to that or feedback in it. And you want to find that out and be able to stuff down your defensiveness and hear it. But that can go too far Mm -hmm. if someone's actually being really rude or they're wrong or they're gossiping really horribly or something like that. If you Mm -hmm. if you try to reach out and connect to that person or or you just spend time in your head thinking about what they think about, you can kind of lose yourself and where you can, you know, where, where you can grow. And if you should grow, I mean, there's just. There's a lot of people out there that believe things about other people that are totally false and maybe not even realized, and then it comes out and it just throws a wrench in everything. You know, some people will act different or be different or communicate differently and mm-hmm. make decisions around that, and it's all kind of dysfunctional. But if you can't look at it and see it and name it even, this is kind of what's going on then it's impossible to, mm-hmm. to do anything with. So I, I have this quote that I live by. I'm going to totally butcher it. But it's basically when when the student's ready, the teacher appears. Mm. And I think it's Lao Tzu is how you say mm-hmm. that. Yeah. So and when this and when this the rest of it, I'm definitely going to butcher. But it's something about when the student's done, the teacher goes away or whatever. whatever. It's sort of more poetic than that. But <laughs> but I, I really feel like my entire career in life has been about having the interactions that are 
just almost designed and people I meet along the way and they help me or I help them. And this is just one of those, when I met you that way and heard that you had been wrestling with what was going on here, I thought this is, this is a lo- this is a huge part of what I do. I mean, it's just to, to shine light on something that we don't, that puzzles us, that we might, some people are so busy and have so much going on. They don't slow down to even, they just don't have the space. Yeah. I think part <laughs> of it is like, I, I think that my natural tendency, and maybe a lot of people's, is like to think, okay, well, what can I do to make it better? So, like, I overcompensate in that way. Like, I'll be like, okay, well, what can I do to make it better? Like, that's not who I am. How do I make it better? And I think that there is a place of release that has to happen that I have missed many times in the past, where, like, I know somebody's gossiping or speaking negatively or. Or, or misaligned, mm-hmm. misaligned with my own personal values, forget citizen, my mm-hmm. own personal values of like a per- who I am. Mm-hmm. And my idealist self is sort of like, but it, I can fix it. Mm-hmm. How, how do I, when do, when do I release? How do I know when to release? It's, well, it's like the question before that, which is, should I fix it? Mm-hmm. So yeah, that question, <laughs> okay. yeah, that yes. question goes in many directions. Yeah. Is it something that needs to be fixed? Do I think that it's the right thing for me to do to attempt to change it or fix it? Yeah. Do I belong in that space? Is that, that, that is a, there's no yes or no answer. Mm-hmm. It's not like a magic question with a right. magic answer. It's a very personal experience. Yeah. So should I, I'll give you a personal example. Yeah. When I, probably four or five years ago, I have, I have two stepsons and the oldest one who's now 20 was in high school. So he, he got through high school by doing as little as possible, but really pushing himself to perform when it mattered. And then the, what that meant was that he rarely did homework and he would stay up all night and take tests and barely make it some, right. some of the time, not, not all the time, but I, as I taught college for 10 years, so, and I'm just a teacher at heart, and it was very hard for me to watch him, well, especially because he would not tell us the truth, right? So that took us a while to realize that he just was flat out lying when we'd ask him about homework and stuff. And my husband and I are not managers, you know, we're not, we, we try to empower them and be who they are, and we're not trying to control what they do and stuff, you know, but at the same time, we're trying to instill values and all that stuff. So, so I had to really look at that and think, do I belong here? Do I belong in this space of trying to quote unquote help him in various ways when the four of us, right? So my husband and I and and his ex and her wife, the four of us have had tried to powwow and tried to work with him and tried to understand why he was struggling in a couple areas and nothing changed what he was doing. So it clicked one day that I needed to stop trying to influence his way of living through high school yeah, and realize that he would be okay on mm-hmm. the, on the, on the other end, he would most likely be fine and graduate and high school just does not matter that much anyway, in the long run, as long as you get through it. Right. And you know what? He's super successful today. He's doing really well. He's fine. But if I would have continued to try to be in his life, even as a good hearted helper, right? I could have actually made it worse because he was doing what he felt like worked for him at the time. And he had someone coming in basically telling him you should be this and do that and stop that and try this. And for, for whatever reason, right. that wasn't what he needed to do. <laughs> so yeah. 
And I was very, that was fear-based. Right. I was afraid he would fail. Yeah. And he would live in our house forever. And, right. you know, this whole, yeah. you just unpack Future it. Future trip. Yeah. I think that that's, like, one of the things that I've struggled with. And I, I do, I'd be interested, like, in the context of being a, a entrepreneur or, or managing anybody. So forget how many people you manage. Who cares? Mm-hmm. But, like, managing anybody, I think that the fear that you and I spoke about was sort of, like, I guess, like, not being liked or more importantly, not being understood. Like being misunderstood for me has always been something that I really feel scared of. Like, mm-hmm. okay, well, you know, people now can see my actions from really far away. And, and most of the things you know about me are either an Instagram caption, which is ridiculous, um, or like a small two minute conversation that you have with me or whatever that is. It's this like really small snippet of information that we base people base, we base, I base to make a lot of decisions about people that are slightly unfair. Mm -hmm. And then that spirals into like, I don't know if it's just all these other like side conversations. And I think that that has been really hurtful the more public my life became. And so I didn't know how, I didn't know how to manage that. Yeah. And we, we talked, Casey and I talked about too, with 2020 and the need to take a lot of what we do online Yeah, and businesses changing and what as business owners ourselves, and as many, many of you are, I'm sure your reputation is the number one thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, it is the thing that you most value. It's like you don't just give a recommendation because you're basically lending that person your reputation unless they've earned it. Right. That kind of stuff. And so when you have people out there communicating or thinking poorly about you, especially if they have any influence or reach or, or you perceive they could damage your business or you, yeah. it gets really uh, it's, it gets harder right. to figure out where in that space you belong. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of what we were talking about. And we, I mean, we dove into right. what do you need to do in this space versus this sort of false urgency that a lot of people, I need to do this. I need to be this active on social media. I, you know, everything's, I need to be doing this video once a week and all this stuff. We have all these ideas of what we should be and how we should spend our time. And then we, of course, we come up against people who just for their own reasons have their own thing going on that is it's kind of hurtful. I mean, yeah. and there's that's worth acknowledging. Uh, right. Someone that is speaking really horribly of anybody is very, it's very hurtful. It yeah. does no one any good to deny that. I mean, it's yeah. just, it hurts, you know? And I think that there's, um, I guess, like the, the trip fall is like when, when we were talking about identity management, um, you know, I think that one thing that you had said to me is like you start to become reactive to them versus being yourself. And so I think that that's a huge part of spirituality. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and in stressful times, I would say especially COVID times, the loss of center is real. Like I lost my center for, I think, a few months. And now nobody would really know that. I mean, if you start listening to this season of our podcast, you'll know that. <laughs> um, but, you know, showing up and teaching is such a privilege. It's, it's a place that actually is recentering. But being in my our own lives, like how do we we lost that center and, and really, again, like that deep intimate, intimate connection um, with people. And so how, how do we shift from knowing that it's important that people, that we are responsible humans in our community and we're positive people influencing our community and also living our own lives and just 
being ourselves? How do, how do we differentiate like when, when we're doing that? Well, I think it's kind of an empowering, disempowering thing. So if we are doing something that feels deflating and disempowering and exhausting, there's something going on there. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but are you familiar with toxic positivity? That whole, Mm-mm. it's well, you know, it's it, it, the best example is giving platitudes in the face of grief. Mm. Like, oh, it's, everything happens for a reason, you know. Yeah. Just, you can just fuck off, right? That's what, someone, <laughs> that's what you want to say to someone like that. Just, just you know what, don't even communicate with me right. until I'm through this period. Yeah. So there's this, especially in certain industries, there is sort of a, we need to think positive and grow more and be better. And how can we do that when actually, and that's not that that's not true. It's not, these things can exist and be true together, but yes, we have that, but there's also a lot of grief that is happening, especially this year through losses and changes and forced change that no one wants. And so there's, there's kind of a, when it comes to a situation like that, which is not really uncommon, that kind of give and take, that push and pull when someone is affecting how you're seen and how you feel and your mood and everything, that might have been kind of a normal thing that you navigated and dealt with as best you could before. But now there's all these other additional stressors like you're being forced to live and do business and work and have relationships in very specific ways. So something like that can, and we don't, we don't have as high of a threshold for stress. And like you said, we're off center. I've been off center so many times this year. I can't Mm -hmm. even tell you. Mm -hmm. And so is everybody that I, that I talk to. Mm -hmm. So it's like, there's in some ways, 2020 has been Mm -hmm. an almost an awakening of patterns and stuff that we haven't really ever had to look closely at before Mm -hmm. because we've, it's been okay. Right. And we've been doing well enough. So the toxic positivity ties into it when, like when, for instance, I, or I've, I've had this happen to me and I've helped coaching clients with it. We have kind of a stuck period, right. Or just a period where we're dead or depressed or whatever. There's a lot of people that will try to push you through it, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and all good heartedness. And that's, that's, that can be fine if that feels good to you to do. But there's also something to be said for not, um, not shaming yourself in that space and just allowing yourself to feel it and mm-hmm. sit there and sit in it. Mm-hmm. And because if we deny things and we try to push them away or we try to not deal with them, they typically grow or, or change slightly and show up bigger and eventually we have to deal with them. So there's a lot of, um, there's just a lot of, things I think that people are are uncovering in relationships and in their work that they didn't really have to pay close attention to before. Yeah, I think that like all the, it just became like, uh, everything feels very magnified now. Um, And I just like want to conclude this because I think we're going into like a really good direction, Um, which is just, I think one of the things you taught me about managing the identity is like being being courageous enough to being criticized by that person and then really assessing is that me like is that who I really am and if it's not then like personal empowerment comes in and you say okay that's that's not for me to own yes and I think that that was like the lesson that you and I talked about in terms of the identity management of like okay like if I if I 
I might not be able to always react how I want. Yep. <laughs> but being open to being criticized is very difficult. Um, and it's something that I think we have to work on and build the tolerance to. I definitely have built a tolerance. I would say definitely over COVID and um, through the civil rights movement that's currently happening, uh, a tolerance to being criticized was necessary for growth. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, there were moments where um, you have to let go mm-hmm. of what people are saying and realizing it's not true. Yeah. I'll give you an example. I recently heard um, that there's a lot of, and I love that people are listening because now you get like an intimate look into some of the things that I think about, but um, maybe this is a little vulnerable, but I recently heard that there's like a lot of um, very small criticism, but there are little, there's a little community criticism about, you know, what I come from and sort of this like judgment around privilege in terms of like my family and that created citizen success. This is like something very new. And it was really painful when I first started to hear this. And something that I had to ask myself because of our conversation was, is that true? And what part of that can I own? And what part of that can I let go of? And it was really powerful for me to use the tool that you offered me because I said, yes, okay, where I came from gave me courage to, to take a risk. That's true. At times, I think privilege gives you courage to take a risk that other people don't feel they could take. I, exactly. I think it's nothing you, yeah, it's nothing to be feeling bad about. It's that you were positioned so that you could take could this take, risk. Yes. But my, the success of my company, well, it was interesting because my family was very against what I was doing. Everybody I knew was against what I was doing. They thought I was a completely insane person and nobody supported it. I didn't get any help. And um, it really wasn't until about two or three years ago that even my f- my family sort of started to acknowledge, like, whoa, something's happening here. I would say particularly my father. And so th- those are painful things to hear in the community. But at the same time, I used your mm-hmm. tool, which was, Is okay, true? being open mm-hmm. to being criticized. Okay, I feel that. Is it true? Can I own that? And yes, part of it is true. But the part that people are criticizing, I was like, that's not true. I didn't have any help. I work a lot. I work 17 hours a day, basically, mentally. Mm-hmm. And what an interesting experience. And so letting go of that managing of that identity and not having to defend it. Mm-hmm. And so I just wanted to give a real-life example of how Sarah's conversation with me translated into a real-life experience just this past week. Yeah. So it is. It is. thank you for that tool because it was really helpful. You're welcome. It's There's... We'll talk later about some workshops and stuff I've put together, but there's an example I mentioned in there because this happens a lot with couples where one half of the couple will say something to the other half like, why are you being so selfish? Or mm. what, what is this? Why do you always do this? That kind of stuff. Yeah. And in the same tool kind of applies where the person sort of takes a breath and before they react, they ask themselves, is, is this true, right? Mm-hmm. It's just a side note. That person has a right to their opinion, whether it's judgmental and false or true and perceptive or mm-hmm. helpful or hurtful, right? So that's, yeah. that's that. But if you have someone who is, who is very attached to seeing you negatively or incorrectly, mm. you will never change that. Mm. But you, what you can do... And that's this, gold. Yes. That, and yeah. What you can do is say to the person, this is obviously if you need to continue to communicate with them or you have some sort of connection to them, you can say something like, it's really, it's really interesting that you think this is true about me. You think I'm, you think I'm being selfish. 
I, I don't typically see myself as a selfish person. I'm sure we, we all act selfish sometimes, but that's not something that's true about me. Mm. So I, I'm going to tell you what I think is true about me in this thing that we're talking about, which is this. And, but you know what? You, you are your own person. You can think what you want. I just, I just wanted you to know what I would say about that. And that, that kind of, it does two things. It empowers them. It kind of validates and empowers them to have their own experience. Yep. But it also shows that you're respecting what they think and you're not out to try to change them. And you're giving them the freedom to be who and how and think what they want while still owning who you are and not, not backing down. You're not pleasing them. You're being assertive when you need to. Mm-hmm. But you're not you're not chasing them and chasing their, you know, it's just, but it feels like that. I I think that I wonder if other people are listening right now, like, Oh, I know what this feels like. Cause I'm, I can visualize so many emotion. I think of it more emotionally and energetically like, Oh, I know that feeling of trying to chase somebody's perception Mm -hmm. and like grab it and turn it around and like flip it upside down and be like, see, it's not real. Yeah. See, can yeah, you see just, me? Can you see me clearly? It, it, how do you, yeah. you know? It's really ast- astonishing how attached people are to something, though, because they, they will not. It doesn't matter if you show them your own proof that anybody in the world would see. They right. will not. If they're that attached to it, they won't change it. So you're really, you're feeding it. You're giving away yeah. your power if you're chasing it. I'm like looking back at my notes because I think from um, the lecture that you did, because I was, I, I remember you had said the word sort of, I think crystallized was one of the words that you had used, um, but sort of this idea of like somebody's perception becomes crystallized. And we do this in our personal relationships. So this isn't just citizen yoga, this is our personal life, my personal life, your personal life. Like, we crystallize who we think somebody is, whether that's our partner, our friend, or child. And at the same time, we also fantasize who we want them to become. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of this push-pull of, like, dysfunction. And um, when we were talking about 2020 and the challenges of 2020 in intimate relationships. Let's start with intimate relationships because... Every most people are listening have some form of intimate relationship. Whether you're a college kid who now has to live with their parents, um, sorry I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, or you're a parent who has to homeschool. Uh-huh. Uh, you're a partner who now, like, I would. One of the things that I think is interesting, my husband and I aren't traveling as much. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not that we're not we're just spending more time together, but we're spending more time together in the same context on repeat over and over mm-hmm. again. Um, and so I guess my my question to you is like, what what are you seeing in people's relationships right now that are challenging them in 2020? Well, you know, you mentioned so. It also, we can turn the lens on ourselves, who we see ourselves as, and who we see ourselves as we want to become and who we think we should be. Yeah. And that can be anything from, I just talked to someone this morning who struggles with sleep challenges and he, he has created a bunch of tools that get his brain going in the morning. And this is over text. So I didn't say this part, but when I talk to him next week, I'm going to ask him about it because he's a fairly savvy, knowledgeable, growth oriented guy. And I wondered if he was 
fighting in a way his natural rhythm of life like i sh- i should be up and alert and going mm. is what's behind that mm-hmm. and for some reason his brain has never he is very like organized you know has things scheduled and whatever his whole day but when he first wakes up there's a space and time where he just isn't quite ready or with it so he's smart he's developed tools and he plays a game and he wakes his brain up and i'm thinking what would happen if you just got up earlier or whatever and spent an hour letting your brain just be right right like instead of trying to right so i think there's this uh in personal relationships especially because a lot of couples especially couples and families too are forced to spend the same occupy occupy the same physical space for a lot more time Mm -hmm. so there's some stuff that we could have just let slide for years maybe weren't even aware of that happens in relationships but when you spend a bunch of time together now the divorce rate is rising the people are not doing well Mm -hmm. and that's because a lot of stuff is coming up in their relationship Mm -hmm. that they've never had to look at Mm -hmm. so for instance let's say you have a female entrepreneur who's used to just being left alone for most of the day does not have to worry about her children and her husband is gone right Mm -hmm. so all of a sudden her husband's at home her kids are at home she's trying to manage it all she they may or may not be in school in person right now that that kind of thing so you have someone who is used to having with no effort essentially boundaries Mm -hmm. so they set up a physical office they have time boundaries they have space boundaries now you have people coming in and out and things interrupting their day and extra responsibilities and probably a loss of sleep, <laughs> a higher mm-hmm. stress level, a lot mm-hmm. is on the line. So there, there can be hard conversations that happen both planned and proactively, like if we need to talk about something or just I'm at the end of my rope today, mm-hmm. I need to do this thing at four, I need you to just get take over, I don't care how it works, just make it happen. Right. Right. So there's and there's so there's a lot of kind of who am I? What how can I have boundaries? How can I take care of myself while also taking care of what I need to? What if I can't do what I feel like I should do, be able to do? And you know, then you've got other people at home facing the same thing that right. they might look different. So, right. so there's a lot of conversations that have had to happen and I mean redesign of houses and yeah. you know, all kinds of stuff to accommodate this weird time that we're living through. Yeah, and I think that um I mean we can talk about um sort of la- lack of boundaries or how do you, you know, create better boundaries for sure. But I think that one of the main things that we're struggling with is conversations. Mm-hmm. How do we communicate about things that we've never communicated about before or had to communicate about before? And so what are some of our the tools to do that? How do you even initiate conversations around things that you've never had? Like cuz I think we build we build an understanding about certain conversations like going to dinner. Like mm-hmm. well, I actually think that Picking a restaurant for most people is like its own constant interesting conversation. But I would say that, you know, we have all like categories of conversations that we become used to with our partners. And I think that COVID has presented all these other categories that we weren't prepared to talk about. Mm -hmm. So how do you start creating better? Well, first thing is to be aware, right? Just, Just talking about this. And if people are listening and going, that makes so much sense. Part of this is just being aware that this is a harder thing there and the reasons why. And so that's important because that mm-hmm. what to do next follows. 
So there's also something that's happened where we had different roles before mm-hmm. COVID and now we're sharing roles and we might be sharing power, whereas one person might have just handled something before. Oh, interesting. Now it's we both need to or have to or you do or... So there's a lot, there's shared decision making in different ways, you know, so there's, there's hard conversations. So right. the best advice I can give you starts with watch for urgency because we have a lot of false urgency that feels like I need to talk about this right now mm. <laughs> or I'm going to explode, right? Mm-hmm. So to have the best chance at having an effective conversation that's peaceful the, for the best, most important thing you can do is think about it first. And I'll give you some things to think about and questions to ask yourself. Cool. So first, when it comes to hard conversations, there's really bad ways to do it and really effective ways to do it. And one of the worst ways to do it... <laughs> Let's start with the worst. That sounds good. One of the worst ways to do it is to do it in that moment. Yeah. So because in that moment, especially if your body is even slightly in fight or flight, mm-hmm. you are not able to think as clearly. So you're just, you're just, you, you're depending on how in, in fight or flight you are, you literally cannot think clearly physiologically. So when you're upset is when things come out wrong, harsh, exaggerated and hurtful. Yes. And that is, if, if a conversation starts out that way, <laughs> Almost a hundred percent of the time, it's un—it's not recoverable. Yeah. What does that mean? Like, how do you define not recoverable? Like, it will go off the rails. Okay. I mean, it depends on if your partner escalates it and responds in a similar way. Yeah. Or if they walk away, you know. But either way, it's not a good—it's not what you wanted. Right. So, a couple things. First, think about what it is that you really want. Mm-hmm. So. Be, usually, if there's a specific complaint or a concern, it's related to a bigger value. And the bigger value is something that you usually share. Hmm. So you might have different ways of executing it or believe it should look differently in different times. But the value is what you can come to an agreement on. So just as an example, if you're talking to, uh, let's say you're your partner about how you want to get back to having date nights, but your partner's feeling just overwhelmed and stressed out anyway already. And that feels like a big conversation. Yeah. You, it's not really date nights is your prescription for fixing what you see as the problem, Hmm. which is the problem is actually a shared value. I mean, you want to have quality connection with your spouse, right? That Mm -hmm. doesn't feel stressful. That's one of the benefits of being in a long-term relationship is it helps reduce our stress. Right. So in that way, Mm -hmm. you can, you can frame it as a connection thing and you have an idea and your idea is a date night, right? Mm -hmm. Or you're like, and then it's a conversation, you know, I miss you. I miss just having downtime. I'd love for us to connect more Mm -hmm. why haven't, why don't we do this thing on Thursday or, you know, do you have any other idea? Like whatever, it's a conversation. So you want to, that's why thinking about it really helps because you can figure out what is underneath. And if you can frame it positively <laughs> as a value that you share, mm-hmm. and then your concern relates to it, like you're concerned about your children's health, you're concerned about your asshole neighbors, whatever it is, right? right. You can, you can kind of see meeting of the minds here. Yeah. If you have a values clash, which does happen, mm-hmm. right? So they, they will nev- not ever see it or ever agree with it. It's a different conversation. We can talk about that later. Mm-hmm. But the other thing that people do badly, especially in the moment, yeah. is they use the words always or never. Mm-hmm. 
And oh, I'm such a person like that. Yeah. It's just, it's just, it just happens. It's not like you're a bad person. I know, but I do it. think yeah. like, I, I think that like, I can think so clearly of like conversations. Yeah. I think it's sort of, I, I think it becomes, you're exactly right. When you're really, really stressed out, the fight or flight, it, the mind takes over. And which is really interesting. The mind can't really perceive cause and effect. It really can only perceive like one side of something. And so it makes a lot of sense that the mind itself says like, this is the only thing in the same way that like the mind is very Mm self-centered naturally. Mm -hmm. It says like, I'm the only thing that exists here. Mm -hmm. Um, It can only see one side of it, which is why you get into always or never. Yeah. Well, and what there's research that shows if you see something happen and it bothers you and you don't say anything and you see things happen and you still don't say it and eventually something happens and it could be a small thing and your mind takes all of those instances because unconsciously you're still kind of wrestling with it even if you don't do anything with it in real time right and you assign a character trait to someone Mm. like you you did all these things therefore you are forgetful or thoughtless or whatever right Mm -hmm. and you're over here going what are you talking about all I did was forget where I parked whatever it is Right. right and but this person has sort of just kind of casually noticed things over the last three months and then they've formed a judgment about you. And when that comes out in an intimate relationship or someone you're really close to and we're not as careful filter-wise with the people that love us the most usually, yes. we it, it can come out as, you're always blah, blah, blah. Right. You're just, you, you know, because that's how it feels. It feels like that's true, yeah. right? Yeah. The problem with always and never is, well, for one thing, it's almost never the case. Yes. I was like, saying, it's never yeah. true. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. so, but what it does is it immediately puts the person on the defensive, right? They feel attacked. Mm-hmm. And the biggest thing underneath that is they feel misunderstood. And when we feel misunderstood, we feel disrespected mm. and disrespected is just, it's dehumanizing. It's, it's not helpful. And often you'll send that person straight on the fight or flight path. Mm-hmm. Just because of the way that we worded something because we were upset or whatever. Mm-hmm. So then you have two people who are upset. One person's feeling totally misunderstood, isn't sure, t- caught off guard, whatever it is. That's why taking some time to think about what is really going on mm-hmm. and getting really specific. Yeah. So if you have a complaint, there's nothing wrong with a complaint, right? <laughs> but if you have a complaint, being specific about it. It's it's it can be really good to use I instead of you 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 constantly. Right. But I mean I I don't like to I don't like to give that as just Blankets general good yeah. yeah because it's it can feel a little disingenuous and not true. Also, it's mm-hmm. totally fine to say you have forgotten this three times this week. I'm really starting to feel like you're just not you're not gonna really change this. Right. You know that's totally fine to say. So one of the things that brings success is being specific, mm-hmm. taking the time to really think about it. And ask for what you need, otherwise known as give the person a way to win with you. Oh, I love that. You're going to love the next part, too. Well, I just love everything you say, so I'm your cheerleader. Well, good. I mean, I like, <laughs> I like having knowing there's a cheerleader out there. I'll, I'm I'll call you when I'm having a down day. I'm very enthusiastic, so yeah. I'm, I'm happy. Yeah. The next thing is interesting because you can ask for what you need and give them a way to win with you, and they can say no. Hmm. <laughs> it just sucks, but yeah. it's... Part of that is you just you ask and then you let go because they either can or they cannot, right? Mm-hmm. And if they don't, for whatever reason, that's a different thing that you can look at and talk about and unpack later. Mm-hmm. That happens a lot when you have value differences. Yeah. So like different, we have just different experiences, right? We grew up in different places and ways and cultures and 
So a lot of that stuff is totally unconscious and we're unaware of it. And if we if we ask someone to change something, let's take a ritual of of time. I was literally just literally writing time yeah. because how my family spends time, it's like they value movement and my husband's family values connection. And not that my family doesn't. So family, we probably don't even listen to this anyway, but yeah. um, but how we spend time is different and that creates a riff of connection. Yeah. And it's because I grew up in a different, that's a, it's not a bad value difference. Mm-hmm. It's a different value difference. It's like, well, and so I think that that's like one of the things that is very weird to say like, well, we disconnect on that, but it's. Well, and what's so funny is when we combine with someone, we bring our two cultural, like ritual family norms right. into the equation and then we right. build something new together. Right. But we go to our, our family of origins house and his family or her family of origins house and it's totally different. Or it's not happening, not valued, whatever it is. Yeah. It's yeah. so interesting. Like I, I have a great example of that when I when I got together with my now husband. It so we celebrate Christmas and we at my family's house we would go one at a time around and everyone would, would watch a person open a gift and that way it would last a while and we'd yeah. get to be really happy for the person yeah, who's yeah, getting it. Everyone could yeah. just have their moment not so at my with my husband and his kids the first time I was with them having Christmas they just tore into everything all at once and it was over three minutes later oh my god I was like people do this I mean this is 10 years ago almost now so but I mean I've known other families that do that too now that was my first exposure though I was kind of like whoa whoa Whoa! Wait, wait, right? You lost it. You yeah, lost the yeah, joy. What yeah, happened to yeah. it? It was just funny. That so is funny. It's like you just don't, you know, until someone else comes along. How are you going to know that? So how do you how do you go from like letting go to how do you go from letting go to then it not snowballing into another conversation? Like how do you truly let go? Because you're saying okay, the final thing is to give a person a way to win, what if they say no, well, then you have to let go. Often they don't say no because right. if you if you if it's reasonable and it lines up with something that you both value and it and it doesn't it doesn't feel outside of their of who they are mm-hmm. to try to meet your need. Right. Usually someone that loves you will try to meet your need. Yes. They will bend towards you. Right? So yeah. it, I mean unless they're just not Unless you're dealing with someone who's really rigid mm-hmm. and isn't really willing to, you know, whatever. That's yeah. another problem, right. another issue. But, yeah. but uh, like, a lot of times you, if, if you have patience and you ask for something and they say they will try or whatever, then that's the end of the conversation and they try and you may, might talk about it three weeks later. Right. If they say no, then you can find out what's going on there. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's when it really pays. That's why the time taken to figure out how, what this is really about underneath right. it, right? Because what, what I see a lot of times is couples that don't have any knowledge of this stuff, the, the, usually the wife will have an idea about something that she wants the husband to start doing. And the husband experiences this as controlling. Mm. And it, the wife is like, no, it's just smart. <laughs> why, don't you, why don't you do this? It makes more sense. It's what I need. This would make me happy. And some husbands will just do it because it's not a big deal, right? But other ones will sort of rebel and not really know why they're rebelling, but instinctively they feel controlled mm-hmm. and disrespected. And so there's an opportunity there. And this does not just apply to heterosexual marriages. Please do not hear that. This applies to any relationship that yeah, is intimate and or, long. Yeah, yeah like yes. anything. Yeah. There's, there's a... There's a um, there's a land between 
just that simple conversation. I need this. I would like this. I don't like this. Can you do this? Those are all questions and there are answers. And then there are reasons for those answers. Mm -hmm. And that is where a lot of the gold happens. But if either of you approaches it in a way that's unhelpful or defensive or mean, you never get there. Right. Because if you can look at it as a process of discovery. Yeah. Right. Then it's like, you don't, you don't actually know. And a lot of people, if they've known someone for a long time, they feel like they know Mm -hmm. what they're going to say and why. And yeah. So, but really we don't. And if we ask really good questions, then Mm -hmm. we can get to some of the, even stuff they might not even be aware of. Yeah. Right. So what's the resistance to trying this, you know, and usually there's a reason and often the reason will tie into their own value Mm -hmm. or their own belief. And if you don't really curiously, lovingly unpack that, Mm -hmm. the other side of it, if if it's really tricky is to ask yourself, this is private self-work later, but do I really need this? Why do I need this? I'll, such have you heard of uh, the what's five love languages? Yeah, right. Yep. I took that test, and there's a major flaw with that. Okay. <laughs> and this is kind of what I'm getting into. I love I love it. Don't I, I do like think there's a lot of value to it. But one of mine was words of encouragement. And I married someone who does not give me words of encouragement on a regular basis, except for if I'm struggling or down. And that's he's such a good listener. That's part of the reason I married him. That's not always the case. Sometimes he doesn't. He'll just listen, which is huge. So Mm -hmm. many people don't do that. Mm -hmm. But sometimes he does give me when I really need it. It's like gas in my tank, and I need to hear some words of encouragement. What I realized is I don't actually, I think, because I'm so verbal and that's how I express my appreciation and stuff to people, that it automatically flips, and that's what I need. And what I realized is looking over several years, I actually must not need that because I'm not getting it. Right. And I'm doing absolutely fine. Right. And until I saw that, and then I was like, what would happen if he gave me words of encouragement? And that, that would irritate the fuck out of me. Yeah. I would just, I'd be like, stop. You yeah. know, I don't need, <laughs> like, up. it's just not, yeah. And it's just funny because it's, it's circumstantial. like, like what, depending on, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. So that I really feel like these conversations can, they can very easily go sideways. Be, and it's very easy to correct them, right? Yeah. It takes some practice and patience with ourselves. And it takes really having good, the, the ability and desire to discover and rediscover your partner and ask good questions. And even stuff like, do you remember at Zingposium when they were talking about how they changed how they do time, being on time? Oh, yeah. I love that. So that was so, that blew my mind. Yeah. So in this, one of the co-founders of Zingerman's, who is a speaker also, was talking about one of the things they realized with people that that had to take the bus to work or lived in tough situations, especially right now, they were penalizing them for being late. Yeah. And they had a system in place that just, that's how they set it up. So it was, they put them in- Set them up for failure. Yeah. And so when they realized that time- was different. They went on a they went on an understanding process, right, towards what's going on here, and they realized that you've got some really good employees who are in challenging circumstances. Can we have a little leeway? All of a sudden, they stopped having issues. I mean, there'd be the random right issue, but they stopped making it punitive. Yeah, it's interesting. It's, yeah, it's just. I think that when you are talking about the dis, I, I was thinking of it. When it's personal work, you know, when you're talking about self-reflection and getting into it, there's the, from a philosophical perspective, we call it like the discover the desire, which is actually how you get to de-escalate a situation. Because the way that we think of negative emotion, anger, frustration, fear, confusion, actually loss of memory 
is uh, really far down the rabbit hole of like uh, when you don't get what you want for a really long period of time or you build a desire and something's blocking it. There's a stage in your delusion process called loss of memory and it's right before you become delusional about something. And I think when you have a desire and your partner or your friend or your employee isn't meeting that desire, your desire to go on a date night or whatever it is, and they don't, they continuously don't meet it. You first are afraid, like, oh my God, are they never going to meet my needs? Then you're like angry, like F this person, they're never going to meet my needs. And then you're like loss of memory, like, oh, they've never done anything for me in my whole life, you know? And then you become delusional in your addressing it. And part of... I don't know what that noise is, but hopefully they, you guys on this podcast can't hear it. Anyways, um, <laughs> but really, like, it's a, it's a tool of discovering your desire. Like, what's underneath your agitation? What's underneath your frustration? And how do you discover that desire before having the conversation? Which is a huge de-escalating task. And something that you said to me um, when we were talking earlier was this idea. And I think this is very counter to what we're taught is that if you want a positive, good relationship, both people have to want to do the work, which I don't disagree with. I don't think that that is wrong. Right. And I think that that is the ideal situation. Um, but something that you were saying was that if one person is doing the work deeply, it will naturally change the relationship. Yep. So I'm interested to hear what your perspective is on that. So, yeah, it's great if both people are actively growing and working on themselves, but the reality is that often, at least at least what I see, is you have one person who's pretty growth-focused and likes to journey and grow and learn about themselves, and then the other person that they're with, it's not that they don't like that, but they might do it differently or they might not do it as proactively. Mm-hmm. But when you have one person that starts to unpack things in themselves and change the way or try out different ways of being and interacting and communicating, that has a ripple effect. Mm-hmm. Especially if there's anything that they're unknowingly doing that's damaging the relationship. Mm-hmm. That's where, and they're, they're, we're, we're human beings, so we're right. all kind of damaging and building all the time, <laughs> right? Like un- yeah. unaware. So, yeah. I mean... So that's why, yeah, I mean, I've seen a lot of relationships just change, even not just romantic relationships, but because one person kind of found more clarity in who they are and who they want to be and what they need to do with other people in their life. And it's just much more peaceful and it changes the relationship. (laughs) Do you think that that's related to scarcity? So like something that I, when you're saying that, I think of some of the best moments in relationships that I've seen is that I stop believing that the person's behaviors and actions will make me more fulfilled. Not to say that they wouldn't, but there that there is like this dependency on other people or how other people are acting. And I feel less internally scarce. Like I have more inside of me that's less dependent. And so there's less pressure on other people to to show up in a certain way to be something specific Mm -hmm. and I think that that's a very difficult place to get to it takes a long time and I think that there's a repeated cycle like I think I was there you know at a certain point and then recently I've had to start to do that same work again of like coming become coming back to my own self-sufficiency yep and then you get there and then you have to 
start reworking it again. Yeah. But I think that maybe that contributes because we, we talked about the sort of the scarcity mindset and how that can be the crux of a lot of dysfunction. Yeah. And I think that, um, well, I want to just really quick rabbit trail to Mm. scarcity, especially with entrepreneurs, because there's a lot of people, especially entrepreneurs out there walking around feeling really, uh, powerful and impactful and good, but also scared is scared out of their mind that someone's going to come along and do better, be better, take their business. And that's, it's just a constant companion that Mm. sort of like feeling right. Mm -hmm. And the same scarcity shows up in our relationships when we unconsciously give someone else a lot of power or responsibility in order very down deep for us to feel safe is actually what it comes down to. And I'm totally with you with cycles and I same thing. I've been doing this work and then I'll be surprised at the fact that I need to do this work again in a different, deeper, unaware way. You know, it's like a, in that way, it's really, I think it's a really good thing, but, um, but yeah, there is a, there's a, there's a level of freedom and peace that comes from knowing that we are who we are supposed to be. We are reaching and helping and doing what we're supposed to be doing. And mm-hmm. I say that not to sound uber spiritual, but because that's literally what we're doing. So just like it could be raining outside, it's raining outside. Well, then it's obviously supposed to be raining right now. Otherwise, right. it wouldn't be raining. So we right. can agree on that, right? Right. We wouldn't be in the position we're in right now unless we're supposed to be there. Right. Otherwise, we wouldn't be there. So we can look at someone who's doing the same thing as us in one city over or online who has a better website and stuff. That's who they're, that's who they are. This is who we are. And especially a lot of females struggle with, with just, with understanding their own, who they are and the mission they have. And it just does not matter if someone else has the same mission and someone rips you off. And I mean, it sucks, right? Everyone deals with that, but there's like so much to go around Mm. energetically. There's so much to go around financially. Mm. There's, there's, there's access there. And if we, I can sometimes, I worked for a woman one time who was totally bound up in her own scarcity Yeah, and also completely unaware of it. She's very close to retirement now, but, but she, she would do everything she could to, when she would set up an engagement to make sure that her, like she owned everything and -and so-and-so didn't have this information about her. And Mm. this person didn't think that about her. And because of that, she was going to do this here. So that, and it was all very controlling so that she would be seen a certain way and not seen a certain way. And like, she just lost herself in that space. And that's, it was all scarcity. It's like, yeah. she could have just owned the space she was in and not really, I mean, she might've had preferences about those things anyway, but it came from a very, like, she, I worked for her right as I was launching what I was doing, my speaking. Mm-hmm. And she came to see me speak. And you know what she said to me? Hmm. She said, oh, you're going to go on and do big things in the world and overshadow and just you're just not going to be... Like, she was kind of upset about that I was a good speaker and I clearly had a calling. And, like, right. I could, that, that was her sort right. of response. Like, right. like, chuckle, chuckle, sarcastic look, you know, in her... I was so surprised. I wasn't surprised looking back on it because right. she struggled with that stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. I think that that's... So how do you overcome that? Well, same thing. I think we need to see it if it's there because if we... It's nothing to shame ourselves about. Right. I mean, there is a real competition for a lot in the world and depending on how we're raised, we're, 
you know, we're going to do that. that yeah. yeah. I mean, I've, I've told something as simple as get the, get off social media for a week. Like yes. if it's bothering you that much to yes. see someone, it doesn't matter why it doesn't right. matter if you're right or wrong or right. who they, just get off, just remove it right. from you for a little right. while and then see how you do, you know, then let's have a conversation. Yeah. Or, I think, yes, I know God. Yeah, no, go, you go ahead. No, but something that I, I think through this experience of COVID and, um, taking a look, one of the things I've committed to myself, which I think is a really good thing is, um, I'm creating a group of like studio owners and we're doing like dinners together. And these people in some ways would have been seen as competition and especially, and they're all, they're all women. Um, and I think that that's really important because, um, something's hardwired about us to feel threatened like, I don't know is it, like what is what that is. And I'm not saying that men don't feel that way. Um, but I do think that as a female entrepreneur, it's sort of like, oh, my God, I got here. And if there's another female in the, in the arena, then what are we going to do? And so I think that it's sort of this constant proving to yourself that that's not true. That's something that I've tried to – that's how I've approached it. Like, okay, that's not true. Like, I can bring all these studio owners into my friend group, into my mentor group, into my life, into my trainings. They're in my trainings. Mm-hmm. It's learning from me, and they own studios in the area. Mm-hmm. And embrace them. And how much better do I feel embracing them than fearing them? But I think that that has been a journey to well, get there. you know what I love about that? And I don't know that you did this, but – Sometimes you can look at that, understand your world, your reality. Like it's hard, and I have resistance to this, and they're kind of my competitor. Do I right? Yeah. But you saw that that's not true, and you know kind of what you want to build and what you want, and you did it anyway, mm-hmm. even though it was probably uncomfortable at times. You you went for what you knew was true and what you wanted. Yeah. So there's, I think there's something to be said for taking actions towards the truth, mm-hmm. even though we don't believe it. Or even though we have fear, or even though just right. like I, there Elizabeth Gilbert, the Eat Pray Love yeah. author, she wrote this book called uh, Big Magic, mm-hmm. and she said something in there that I it just it just was such an aha for me. Mm. She said she said fear is is there. It's a, it's going to be a constant companion, mm-hmm. and I it's not like that. I didn't know that I guess, but the way she said it, she just normalize that it's going to be there. Yeah. I'm like you, right. in a, in a, much of my the last five years, I would say I refer to it as making friends with my fear mm. and making friends with negative, not making them bad and making them information and, and curiosity, right? Sometimes I suck at that and sometimes I'm, I'm do well, mm-hmm. but, but knowing that there's like, especially I, I know some women I know are, are, seem to not ever really grow in this area, even though they kind of intellectually understand the futility of mm-hmm. it, but it takes more than intellectually trying to talk ourselves through something, right. To get past something like that. And you're, you're moving into action. Mm-hmm. Sometimes if we take actions, our feelings and our beliefs follow, mm-hmm. you know, and then they, it, it changes. I think one of the most recent experiences, I had such a wonderful conversation with another local studio owner after years of sort of in some ways, the community pitting us against each other and her and I came together and, and through this conversation, she just said like, I'm so sorry I never reached out. And I was like, yeah, me too. Like it, and it's interesting to watch how other people become uncomfortable with resolution. Like the, their quest, the, one of the questions was like, well, why are you meeting with her? And it's like, well, just because we can, we can work together instead of create this false sense of disconnection or a real sense of disconnection. Who asked you that? 
um, this it wasn't asked to me; it was asked to the other person. Right. And the and it's it, a sy- symptom of the mindset, symptom of right? the mindset of of coming together is scary because then then where is the drama? Where is the gossip? And where is the conflict? Because mm-hmm. a lot of people like to live in the conflict. They don't. And that was something that I found really cool is like to to change sort of the crystallized vision that somebody you had mentioned I'm going to go in all different places so they're all used to it Uh, when somebody comes into a conversation and they're so sure about who you are that was something you had said in your lecture Mm -hmm. they're so sure about who you are that it's impossible to change their perception of you so my thought was like well I'm never going to go to that person anymore like once I listened to that but there is a person out there who who that person might be associated with who really actually does want to change and who actually wants to be open, who actually wants to create community. Mm-hmm. And I will find that person. And what's interesting to me is sort of the like person that's next to them yeah. doesn't want that. They don't want a community. They want conflict because conflict is more comfortable because conflict creates sort of like there's a villain out there in my lack of success or my own failures or my own inability to create what I want in my life is due to villain X. And actually, I think that part of our job as women and, and empowered women is to say, like, there is no villain. There's nobody, hopefully, out there that's keeping you from your own success. And if we can come together and create, like, a genuine integrated community, we will not just be successful. We will actually just be less fearful. Yeah. And like, that is sort of, I think what I'm seeking too. Like when you said like fear is my constant companion, I don't remember a time in my life where I wasn't afraid. Yeah. Me neither. Literally. Right. It's like, I wake up afraid. Yeah. They they call me chicken little. Like I am, like, I don't know why. And, and I think that part of, um, who knows why that, that exists. I've, I've been trying to seek that for a long time. It's like, well, where, where does this fear come from? But the more connected I feel to other people. The more I create a network of community around me, the less fear I have, generally. Yeah, and it, the less important the question becomes. Yeah. <laughs> like, I it, would have said to just, her, sorry, why wouldn't you want to do a community? Because that is more illuminating, like, mm. right? So the, the person you're referring to, the third person, yeah. I, if, I, if I just said what I can almost guarantee you is happening... That person is projecting. There, they have. There's a very real villain going on in that person's worldview, yes. right? They are. They are acting in this drama. It. The villain is not the world. The villain is themselves. Totally. It's like psychology 101. If you're spewing yeah. shit, that's not true and fear-based, and that's just how you operate, sowing discord and you know whatever it is. Right. That is your own. Just like if they could quote. just turn around the lens and realize how they're their own worst enemy. Yeah. Not I'm not even saying that to be mean. It's no, just I, that is like the most direct path of their growth. But that's like what we were talking about before we started this, the cat dog situation. Like, right? They're gonna go create chaos and do whatever they wanna do. And meanwhile, you're gonna be over here building and having relationships and seeing community in real time and like seeing synergy in, right. in I actually, more than the, to- you know? Yeah. I used a skill set and I would love to, I really want to do those seven steps to having a courageous conversation that they did at the Zingposium. I don't remember those two women, what their names yeah, were. Yeah. They work for a Zingposium. Oh, do they? Meredith maybe was one. No. Well, anyway. Mara? Mara was one. I'm sure. I anyway, whatever. It but anyway, matter. the yeah. point is, is that in the conversation, one of the techniques that I used to try to immediately shift what you had said, which is the assumption of who I will show up as 
in, in, in an effort to show like I'm not that person, you've been told that I was this person for many years. Maybe, I, maybe if you give me a chance, you'll see different. And to me, this is part of the art of being a female entrepreneur because these are the types of conversations you have to navigate. Mm-hmm. And, and, and being a woman in the world uh, and, and man. So sorry, guys. <laughs> a man too. Yeah. We're all people. Okay, being a human in this world. <laughs> um, is I, I started the conversation and it was a really adult moment for me, which was starting with just my intention and saying what I wanted. And what I said was, my intention is to show you who I really am and have this conversation be an opportunity to, to start again. That was the beginning of this conversation. And I think that that immediately, it, takes, it took a lot of humility to have this conversation and a lot of like, I had to like push down the scarcity of thought process. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, the connection, so it's like sort of the choosing between scarcity and connection the connection was so valuable. Even to now, I'm so excited. Like we're now, this woman and I are friends and we're going for coffee in two weeks again and like had such a good time. And you know, that scarcity though, like the big, big bad wolf is so much worse than just eating a giant piece of humble pie, listening to other people's criticism, like just becoming porous and like mm-hmm. embracing yourself because that's really what it is it's like a full self-embrace not just the other person embrace yeah well and there's like there's a construct that when especially an entrepreneur is in scarcity mode they don't even they're kind of living inside the construct Mm. and they might get a clue when they feel fear or jealousy Mm. or they get angry at over overly angry about whatever but I mean, there's just look around the online landscape. There are people ripping people off left and right there are people Mm. being disingenuous out of integrity but once we get pretty clear about what we want and who we are and what we offer and don't, then it becomes easier to connect with like-minded people and take mm. actions in step with that, right? Mm. So even in spite of having, this is interesting, why haven't I reached out before? I'm just going to do this because this is kind of what I want. And I foresee this big thing happening. I'm not sure what it will be, but I think it will be good. And then sure enough, it's starting to unfold. Mm-hmm. And who knows what will come of that that right. never would have come if you wouldn't have reached out. Yeah, and I also think like part of uh, this experience uh, in self work is humility. Humility plays a huge role in growth, mm-hmm. um, and and the the courage to be criticized and be wrong and be wrong. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was something you and I talked about. Like the courage to be wrong. Like it's okay. Mm-hmm. Like if I fumble this thing or if I don't, if I make a mistake, yep. it's okay with without bad intention of course um well and you know what's even i think even harder mm. especially with racial stuff happening right now mm. is one thing i've learned just myself this year and along those lines is that our intentions don't actually matter as much totally which is so yeah it's oh like, my god I, in, at all my yes. yeah my right my whole my whole thing has been like start with your self-aware and focus and your intentions and then you know move from there into here and like do your best and I I still stand by do your best with who you are and what you know of course right but there there has to be um room for you know what even if I didn't have any intentions of this or I unconsciously didn't and whatever it is people are still allowed to have reactions and experiences and it might be uncomfortable right and they might be right Right. And they might be wrong. You know, it's just, 
And man, I, I, I was just thinking about this the other day, the, the tie between humility and Mm. growth. I I don't think that there is, I think the more humble that humble doesn't mean we get walked on. No, right. It just means that we have a, we have like a character about us that whether it's been forged or was there or both, we are open to learning. It doesn't mean we are open to being your, your, you know, batted around by the world. Right. But people that are like, the more open we are, the more we grow. So it's like the more time we save, the more money we might make, the more, if that's what we want, you know, stuff like that. And the less open and fixed and rigid and absolutely right and super egotistical someone is, the less, like Mm -hmm. they wouldn't even see it probably, but the Mm -hmm. less they'll grow and the less they'll learn and Mm -hmm. the less... I just, I kind of think it gets a lot easier Mm. when we soften and grow, you know? Yeah, there was that, I mean, I quoted it so many times now, but one of the things I think Paul said uh, during symposium, which was, you know, when you're, when furious, get curious. Yes, I love that. Me too. Oh Mm -hmm. my God. I like couldn't stop because it was exactly right. Like instead of making your anger, which anger is just a modified desire, it's past fear. So Mm -hmm. it goes fear, anger. Um, sometimes people will say greed, hatred, but I like to just do anger, fear, loss of memory, uh, delusion, because it's easier. Um, is like look, look underneath and like find one own your own desire. First, it's discovery of desire. What is your desire? Like when you're angry at somebody, like do you want to be successful and you don't feel successful? Are you angry at? you know, their situation? Are you angry at some, because there has to be a lack in your life. When you're angry about something, there is a void because desire is, it comes out of a void. I mean, that it's literally like the, the chronology of desire is this from a philosophical perspective. You have a void. You can't have a desire without a void. That's, it's impossible. You're not, you can't be like, I want more food when I'm full. Okay. Yes. Don't like exaggerate that example. But when you're full, you know, you, you, you can't then go, I want more. So any desire, anything that you want comes out of a void from a philosophical perspective. From that desire, you then develop like a wanting for it. That's what a desire is. And then you have fear around it. Am I going to get it? Am I not going to get it? And then if you know you're not going to get it or something's really blocking you from getting it very clearly, you have anger. And so this is an extremely important part of going into that like humility process, which is really like uncovering what's making you agitated and what's making you frustrated first. Well, and what I see, especially with female entrepreneurs is, and I say this having been this person just to preface this, but we, we know all of this and we do this work and we grow and we learn and we have cycles and whatever, right? Yeah. We're, We're definitely humble. Many of us are. And along comes a desire that is not met, not seen, maybe not even known, and then following anger, blah, 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 everything you just said. Then we turn what I think of as our moral lens Mm. on our partner. Mm. So it's like, why aren't you growing in this way? Why aren't you on this journey? Why don't you believe this? I mean, this is obviously, this thing is bad for you. In fact, you could be this kind of person. I don't, I don't know. I mean, you're, this is what I see happening with you. Do you think you have a problem? Like, do you think, you know, there, and I, I say that because I, this is what I based my workshop on. I, the one I was telling you about earlier, mm. this dynamic happens where female entrepreneurs, and it's not always females at all, but they 
have a tendency to be blind. Can we, can we define what an entrepreneur is yes. before? You're not going to forget your thought, well, I mean, are you? No. Okay. Maybe, but if I do, I'll They're blind. I, that's your statement. Yeah. But I think that like entrepreneur it's, doesn't just mean like owning a business. Like a yoga teacher is an entrepreneur because they're running their own. Right. Their own. Let's, let's say it differently. Female yeah. creative. Okay. So female creative empowered may or may not be doing their own thing. Okay. Great. Right. Okay. So, so it's usually the person often female who is really growth minded and okay. is doing their best and is a great person by and large, you know, there is, they, they have, they develop beliefs about the best way to be in the world. Okay. So best way to grow, what to put in your body, what to believe, what to ignore. Mm -hmm. And then they turn that lens on the person they're with. Mm -hmm. And I want to pause to talk about the word should. So should, the way I'm about to explain it, is, is kind of a judgment thing. And we do it to ourselves, we do it to other people, but there are, there are truthful statements like, you should not smoke cigarettes. Yeah. Of course you shouldn't. They're bad. They could kill you, right? Mm-hmm. So that's true. We can all agree about that. Mm-hmm. But when you turn the lens on your partner who's smoking, right, and mm-hmm. you say you should not smoke, that is when it becomes, I know your journey, and your journey should not involve smoking. And it's because I care about you, and I'm with you, and our kids rely on you, whatever it is. And you're, you're absolutely right in the sense that smoking is terrible, and it's not helping, and they should maybe stop or think about stopping. But what happens in that exchange is you telling them you know who they should be. Mm. And we don't, that's not, we don't know what is right for, they could walk out and get hit by a car tomorrow and die. So Mm. it might not matter if they smoke 20 cigarettes today, Mm -hmm. you know, or, you know, they might be dealing with other things and smoking is just a distraction and it's like not helpful to them to put pressure on them to change and to Mm. look at this particular thing right now. And to stop putting this in their right. body and start putting that, right? And it's so it's not like we're not necessarily right. I want to mention that because it could be true. Like, you know, this could be something that they should look at that you can see. And they trust you and eventually they will, or maybe they will right now, who knows? But but where we go off the rails is when we're uncomfortable for some reason. We're not getting our own desire met, or we're afraid, or we're afraid we'll lose that. Whatever it is, that turns into I need you to kind of look at this <laughs> so that. I can feel better about you and me. Mm. And what does it mean to feel better? I'm safer. I'm, you know, whatever. When you, you can just go deep with that. And I'm nutshelling it, so I hope I'm not doing it a disservice because it's, mm. it's a very deep personal and people get offended if they hear me incorrectly. Like they, they hear this and think that they, they just don't like it. So if that's you, I'm really sorry about that. But, um, <laughs> but it, is, it is a thing about knowing your lane and when it is helpful to turn your eyes on your partner in a way that is orient- is about their growth and character and who they are. Mm. So it's like if like sometimes I tell people if you're in an argument with your good friend and they did something just terrible, right? I see this so much online too. It's like yeah, we don't know everybody online, but we know a lot of people online that we're friends with and and they will read something simple, short and just like to go off about it. They think you meant this and believe that and are this person and that and there's no like I tell people back the fuck up, not usually saying that word, and, and ask yourself, is my friend typically someone who is thoughtless? Right. Are they usually rude? Are they mm-hmm. selfish? Are they, is that a char- like a character thing with them? And no, it's usually not, right? Right. 
So there's something going on, whether it's I missed something or I don't know, you know, whatever it is. And it, so I'm, I'm always like back up and start with what you know to be true. You know, mm. are they trying to intentionally hurt me? Do they want to destroy my business? <laughs> Do they want to fail masterfully and have me rescue them? Like what is going on here? You know, right. yeah, just if you really, it ends up becoming a lot about kind of what, and it, it's not like it's not okay to say to people, you know, you should think about this or stop doing that, especially as, as people who are charged with impacting the world and leading people. Mm-hmm. It's like a, it's a line to know, right? right? When it helps to mentor and coach and teach and challenge, and there are that. moments and when to, and when to let someone be who they are, you know, and not, and turn it, turn it on yourself and like try to figure out what's going on here with me feeling like this needs to be the case. Yeah. It's, I think that, um, it, well, is it, do you think it's specific to like, why do you think it, it's a tendency of creatives? Because I, I, I'm like listening to you and like giggling because I think if Adam was listening to this, he, he knows like that like the higher stress I get, the more I'm like, can you just like go to bed earlier? Or like, can you yeah. just like, can we go for a run? Or like, why aren't we doing these things? Like it's all these like, I put all these parameters, interestingly, like the more stressed I get, I get. And I turn it around because I'm like, oh, there's something like that doesn't feel right inside. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, not, not, not I can't say every single thing you're talking, but no, yeah, no, we yeah, do, we get, I'm like, like giggling, like because yeah. it's like I'm like, oh, uh, well, I can't control all these other things that are happening outside. So now I have to like flip it and say like, okay, well, if this only if this one thing was in place, then I would feel so much better, which yeah. is not true. I mean, it could um, be true. It could be. It could yeah. help a little bit, but it's not like. But the it's big, on it's not the picture, correct? Yeah. So, what is it about creatives um, that you feel this is more of a tendency? Like this becomes more of a tendency. I I don't have any solid. I know this to be true. Answers to this, just so you know, my yeah. my theory mm-hmm. is that what let's say creativity is on a spectrum, and when we're talking about creatives, we're talking about people who. You know if you're a creative. You're, you're most likely pretty ADD. You might have a business. You're always doing stuff and making stuff and building stuff, and you're distracted. And or you might be. Some creatives are really organized. Like I can't really say that, but oh anyway. Um, Who are you? The, yeah. The, Tell uh, me more about you, organized creatives. <laughs> so if creativity is on a spectrum, right? And it's not that our partner, who's fairly linear is how I like to explain that is not creative at all. I mean, everybody has the capability to be creative, but they're more just kind of a, what you see is what you get first, you know, things are in order. They don't get flustered quite as easily. They, they aren't, they aren't just creating in their head. That's just not how they live and think and are. They are often attracted to people who are like that. Mm-hmm. So you'll you'll end up with, but like my husband is kind of a more creative type. He's not like me, but he and he's much more linear than I am. But he's very much a creative, like yes, it's, you know, same. Yeah. So it's so it's I don't want to say it's like a hard and fast rule, but my my theory is just that we we tend to be kind of thinking, going, wondering, dreaming, and when something feels off, we're intuitive usually. When something feels off and off, 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 and we're kind of like, what's going on? You know, looking around the world, and if we're not, if we're busy or stressed or tired or whatever, we don't like think, oh, I'm going to stop and look at myself. I just, we don't just stop and do that. We're not that woke or what, you know, that's the wrong word here. But yeah. Yeah. But anyway, we, we often will say, this would make me feel better if you, know, you could just do this or mm-hmm. stop doing that. And they might do that, and that's great, but there's something else going on. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's um something that uh, you're creating these... Okay, in a stress state or in a state where our relationships have been somewhat confined, I actually think that we become much more self-focused because that's just what naturally happens. Like, well, I would need this to feel better. I need this to feel better. And one of the games that you're creating is a date night game. Mm. And I thought that the interesting part about this date night game, which I actually really believe to be true, you've said two things. One is, is that we tend, because because we live in our own lands as individuals and we have our own tendencies. One example you gave was like, somebody likes to go to bed early, somebody likes to stay up late and we miss sort of part of our partner's worlds. Um, And because Mm -hmm. of that, we like miss some of our intimacy. Like, I think that that's part of it is like missing opportunities for greater intimacy and greater understanding. That's one part of it. Um, The other piece is that when we dislike something about our partner's lives, um, something that you, you gave me an example of like, you said like their friend group or I can't remember exactly what yeah, you had referenced. Like their coworkers or their friends or you don't like some of them. So you do everything you can to not be around when they're around. There. And that yeah. actually creates, I can't remember what word you use, but it creates um, even more separation. And so you came up with a date night game. Yeah, I should, we should back up. So first of all, I made these date night cards. They're 150 done for you date nights. And they're like a choose your own adventure style. And there are 27 bonus date night cards, which she's referring to. So Mm -hmm. I'll tell you about them because a lot of couples, from what I see right now, are stressed (laughs) for all the reasons we don't need to go over. And one of the best things you can do to solidify, strengthen, and just because it's awesome, is date nights, right? But who has time for date nights right now? It's hard to find time. So Mm -hmm. that's kind of how I design these. And the other side of it, I'll tell you about them in a minute, but... And they're super affordable, just so you know. But the other side of it is that they, um, a lot of couples, when they start to ha- hit the skids or start to have problems, they start to look at their problems as much as you would look at what someone, how they don't like you. And you start to give that your focus and attention. You're worried about it, right? Mm-hmm. So the opposite is actually what we need to do in that scenario. It is, it is actually not focusing on your problems and making them the thing. Um, and obviously, this does not apply to couples in abusive relationships or. Uh, I like how you have like, like a public service announcement. Well, I mean, just, I say I like I, I have a book about assholes, right? And I I say right in there that, that in this one particular spot, I'm giving some advice you have a book with about couples. Assholes. Yeah, and it's part of it's for couples, and um, and I once had someone email me from a like a research institute taking issue with the way that I described something in the book. And I was like, "You did you see the part right before that where it said the thing about how this doesn't apply in like X, Y, and Z? And you, sh- you know, like, he's like, well, I just thought that wasn't good enough. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, that was such an example of right, right. What, what the fuck am I supposed to, I, yeah, I really thought about it. It bothered me so much that I thought about, is he right? Should I, I would have right, meant rewriting right. that part of the book. And I ultimately decided, no, I'm not going to do that. I mean, that's valid feedback, but I've had all these people read it who have similar uh, training and all that stuff. They don't think that at all. And I don't, you know, anyway. So that's why I say that, though. So couples that are just having trouble that are not used to having this much conflict or, you know, whatever it is, that's the people I'm talking to. So the idea is you want to strengthen your friendship. 
Mm. So the quality of your friendship is the number one predictor to if you will last. Mm. So that's great news because all it means is you need to have fun and like hang out and do what you like to do together and reconnect. Mm -hmm. But when we're surviving and we're busy and whatever, that becomes totally a backseat. Or if we just have a baby, a baby will explode everything in the rituals in your marriage, right? Or in your relationship. Mm -hmm. So you have to kind of understand that it's just building your friendship that is the most important thing because it's kind of like padding a, a bed. You know, if you want to be comfortable on a bed, make sure that it's continually covered in blankets and pillows. Don't rip everything off and then think the box spring is going to be great. And I'm just going to look at the box spring and maybe if it changes slightly, it'll be better. No, you need to get busy and get back doing what's fun and put all the blankets and the pillows back on it and then jump, mm-hmm. right? So the date night cards, there's 50 cards that are questions for connection. Some are fun, some are deeper. And then there are 50 at-home date night experiences. And then there are 50 for when and if you go out and about. And then there's 27 bonus cards. So it's a total of 177 date night cards. Mm-hmm. And the idea is you just you just pick one, right? They're numbered one through 50, each of the three. and Or you can decide to type and then pick one. But, um, but the 27 bonus date night cards came about because of a thing I kept seeing this year which is sort of these, um, usually women, pretty clear on who they are and what they're okay with and what they'll do and what's bad for them and what they're, you know, how they're different from who they're with. And so they have the, these kind of strong constructs and beliefs about the way that they're going to live and be in this relationship. So the 27 uh, date night cards are slightly different because I call them enter their world. Mm-hmm. And it's just like what you were saying. And this is, if you can, in your integrity bend and enter into an experience that you just would not really choose or maybe you go out of your way to avoid if you can get just get over it and enter in as a way of seeing a different side or experience with your partner and a way of meeting them what where they are and who they are it's not like you have to change or become or do it again or whatever but it's just a way to connect with them on a, in a deeper more meaningful way mm-hmm. that you might have just said well I don't I don't like this so I'm not going to do it Right. Like I'm not, I'm not, I don't like video games, right? Like whatever. Right, right. So, but what about, uh, what about a VR game or a game that you, you like, there's, there's so many different ways of interacting with video games. There's probably right. a type that you could try. Right. Yeah. And just so that's, I think that might even be one of them is a type of video game that you, if your partner does that or whatever. So it's stuff that you really don't connect with your partner over and you, which is fine. If you can do it, you can draw a card and if you can do it in a way that is like, oh, this would mean a lot to my partner if I stay up till midnight with her once, you know, right. and I don't ever do that. I'm pretty hardcore about my 9, 15 bedtime, right? Like I'm yeah. going to, but this weekend I'm just going to, I'm just going to throw it. Yeah. Do it. So mm. that's the idea behind I think behind that that's them. like something that's really interesting and it really resonates, I guess, what you're saying with me, um, which is. You know, my husband right now, Adam calls uh, 2020 no fun. No fun 2020. All fun has been canceled from this point onwards. Uh And it sort of feels like that. Like, you know, it's like, okay, well, how do we create? And that's a question. How do we create fun in a world that is a completely new world for us? You know, even going to a restaurant. Mm -hmm. It's sort of like, you know, we went to Mabel Gray last night. Oh, my God. And we have to shout out James because he's just so excellent. And it's like the best restaurant ever. Um, But even like going in, it's like... You know, what a different way to experience a restaurant. It's our first restaurant that we had eaten at since COVID. And it's different. 
-hmm. It just is. And it's not that it's not fun. It just, there's this edge about it. There's a a threat to your safety when you're in public. What a weird thought. And usually there is anyway, because God knows we don't know what's going to happen. The building could fall in. Mm -hmm. Well, we're not conscious of that. Mm -hmm. Right now we have like this like invisible threat that's like we are much more conscious of, of, Mm -hmm. of getting sick or whatever it is. And so I think like finding simple ways to bring fun and exploration into all of our relationships, even our work relationships, you know, our, our friendships. Um, how can we keep doing that? Because that's part of communication to me. Mm-hmm. It's a different you, way of communicating. Yeah. you ha- We have to be intentional. Yeah. It's a- and it's, if I could sum up the work, the message I've been giving people is we need to be proactive. Yeah. In, our, in our thinking and our speaking and our relationships as best we can. Mm-hmm. And that involves everything we've talked about, right? But I, at the same time, you're, I mean, you're speaking with someone here, me, who used to interrupt people all the time. And I did that because I was, well, for a lot of reasons, but um, for a long time, I just thought I couldn't control it because I have ADD and that's just part of my, that's complete bullshit. Mm-hmm. I've now controlled it, at least for the most part. And also, at this point, probably spoken in front of thousands of people and helped coaching and stuff. Like, the, there's a construct that mm-hmm. I just have to, I'm gonna forget what I'm gonna say, so I just have to say it, right? Yeah. Like, it's like whatever oh, we talk about. Oh, that's what, yeah, your no, I'm just, yeah, 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 yeah. So, that, so, so unpacking something as simple as that, right? Yeah. But so when I say be proactive, that's because I have learned the long, hard way that there's a lot to learn and know and grow, and that takes time. And then there's, you know, what's right for you on your journey? What's your, next step. I can't tell someone that. We can't tell them that. They but there are there are choices. There's there's peaceful choices. There's forced choices that feel anything but peaceful. There's danger. There's you know, there's people that don't think there's danger. They're danger. <laughs> you know, like that's just 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 Yeah. It's a whole it's a whole crazy world right now. I feel like I got totally sidetracked here what I was talking about but whatever no I mean I I think that what you're sort of saying is that you you just we all have to sort of explore what what's actually happening right now and and changing the way that we think about things Mm -hmm. I I I say like oh I'm a disorganized person like I hate like if how I load the dishwasher like if you look in my dishwasher right now like Adam has started loading the dishwasher and it's so perfect and I associate being an adult with organization. Like if you, if you can organize, I think of you as an adult. And if you can't like me, like I'm like, Oh, I'm not an adult. Cause I don't know how to organize things. And like, that's a thing that I have said about myself for a long time. Like I can organize information in a chaotic way, but it's a construct that I have created mm-hmm. internally. And, and I think that we crystallize personal constructs about ourselves. We do it with other people. Uh, they're like this, so this is how they are, and this is how they're going to show up. And, and part of means. our whole conversation is trying to undo those. And yeah. and if I know how to undo my internal ones, then I'll know how to undo ones that other people have about me or how I can undo them about others, which I think is the flexibility of having more positive relationships in our lives. You know, the, the humility of I'm probably not right about this person, and how do I undo it? Yeah, like um, knowing to stop and ask the question. Knowing, exactly. Yeah. yeah. You you wanted me to say, you wanted me to mention an exercise, Oh, right? Yeah. I'm what sure. you just said went right into it, so I'm going to use okay. it as an example. Okay. So the exercise is an identity exercise, and it starts with free writing. 
and you basically write down every single thing that comes to your mind. Just spend five or 10 minutes or however long writing down who you are or what mm. the things that, that are you. It could be anything from daughter to funny to your looks, whatever comes to you at all. Just write it all down. Okay. So Sarah told me to make a list and I made a list and it took me some time. Yep. So after, after she made the list, so after, if you do a long list, you want to take the top 10 that are kind of the most to you and just pick them out, whatever they are, pick your 10. Once you pick your 10, try not to do these at the same time. Once you pick your 10, then we're at where we are right now, which is organize them one to 10 or one to eight or nine or 10, whatever. In the mo- this is the most me. Number one is the most me. So start with number 10. This is, this is me, but out of all of these, it's kind of the least important. The, you know, nine, eight, all the way down. So what I typically do in a group situation is I'll ask, what are your top three? So that's what I'm going to ask her. What are the most you right now? So right now, um, I would say enthusiastic is something that I really relate um, to. Um, innovative and disorganized. Okay. Okay, so those are your top. So we three. talked about my dishwasher, right? Yeah. Okay. So, so the first two are typically positive, and these are these are indicators of how you see yourself, as well as what's kind of most important to you right now. Kind of mm-hmm. how so those two things juxtaposed together. So, so the let's the first two are fine. We don't need to look at them closely right now, but let's look at the disorganized one. Mm. So similar to what we've talked about before ask yourself, is this always true? Is this true about me? Am I, because this is your number three, so it's pretty high up for you and you see yourself as disorganized. So tell tell me what that means to you, what it looks like in your life. Um, what does it look like? Aside from the dishwasher, which we heard. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's some history of organization and what it means and what you think about yourself. And yeah, I think that like my family's very organized. Generally, my mom's extremely organized, even though she also, also forgets is forgetful. So I think that I think of disorganized as forgetful. Um, and also, I'm not like a list person. Like, I, I don't have a planner, and I associate people. I mean, I have a electronic calendar, but I associate people with, like, who really like lists and know how to, like, check things off in a very systemized way as uh, organized. Right. And that I just... Don't function like that fully. So you being disorganized looks like you not, not having, having a list. list, not having a calendar. Um, sometimes um, I don't think uh, I don't think linearly, mm-hmm. and because I don't think how other people think that um, they they sometimes are like, oh, how you're speaking is confusing. And I think of that as disorganized, but I also think of that as my superhero power, mm-hmm. that I can like be chaotically disorganized, and actually that's part of what creates my innovation. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it plays on two ways, but that, I would say, is my disorganized thing. And I procrastinate, and I think of procrastination and disorganized as similar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a lot of this is sort of what does organization and disorganization mean, right? When right. every single one of us would probably have a different description, even though there will be common themes, right? There's how we use time. There's how we use tasks. There's how we think. There's how we communicate. Mm-hmm. There's how we organize physical space or if we organize physical space. Mm. So all of this relates to being organized and disorganized. And then kind of our past experiences and how we've come to see ourselves relates to if we think it's good or bad. Yeah. 
So, which is kind of what you're getting at. There's two sides to the coin. Right. It could be better, like, if you didn't have to procrastinate so much, you might, that might be better. You might be more organized in that sense. But how you are, as far as how organized you are, has clearly worked for you, and it's working for you. So, and I mean, for, for me... I have some organization stuff too, but one of the things I have to do is set myself reminders, otherwise I won't remember stuff. But I know that, so it's kind of like how I help myself if I need to remember something that's really important, right? Right. So so for you, if often what I see, and this is so funny because it's not always women, but often it is, there will be something in the top five that is something like this. It's like a character thing or a way that they see themselves that is can be good and it can be not good. Yeah. And it's, it's helpful to look at where it comes from, how it's serving you to see yourself that way. Mm-hmm. And if it's not serving you ever, like for instance, uh, the, the interrupting thing I mentioned earlier, feeling helpless over opening and closing my mouth was really disempowering. Yeah. Right? So no one else is closing my mouth and deciding yeah. when that happens, except right. for me. So, But as long as I disconnect myself from that and just see it as part of who I am, I don't have to look at it. Right. So, so there's that disorganized and I, we don't have time to get all into how you, how it shows up in your life, but if it ever shows up in your life as kind of a, like an excuse or a reason or, or why something doesn't make sense or work, then it can be not serving you. Yeah. And it also can be not true. So it's so funny because Casey and I just met this like a few months ago when I did the speaking thing. And the way that we've communicated and the way that we set this up and the, the talk, I actually thought she was extremely organized. And part of this is because she read back to me many notes that she took and, and takeaways and steps and questions. And it was all super organized. Like there, I never felt like she was wasting my time. She was very aware of what she wanted, needed, was wondering about thoughts, et cetera, because it was all organized. Mm. So without knowing this about her and not knowing her as well yet, it's funny because I never would have thought she was disorganized. Mm. But when she's like, oh, I'm disorganized, and da, 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 I was like, oh, well, I mean, we've talked a little bit, so we know we're both pretty pretty creative types, right? Like I'm sure a lot of you are. But but it's helpful to look at what, where did this identity marker come from? Mm. Is it serving me? Is it always true? Is it sometimes true? Who decides what, who's organized, you know? And right. I mean, they're. Yeah, there are list people, there are planner people, there are color people, there are all kinds of ways of organizing lots of things. And in fact, it's funny because with couples, I often see, not always, like my husband and I would be kind of an exception to this, but often there's one person who's really on time and one person who's really late. Mm -hmm. Same thing with one person who comes home and wants to immediately talk and connect and another person kind of needs a a little space. Mm. And if they get forced to immediately connect, that feels constricting, you know, and they can't. And then their partner, if they misinterpret that, think they don't care or want to connect or whatever. It's not that at all. So there's there's just different ways we see and use organization or time or or rituals or whatever importance mm-hmm. that we put on stuff. And sometimes that, that if that operates at an unconscious level, it's we don't ever look, we don't ever see it. And it's not that you need to change it necessarily, but it's helpful to look at where where it shows up. So my, when I first did this was almost 20 years ago at this point. And I, my number two was, I often say inappropriate things. Mm. And at, that was a long story short, kind of a message I got from my childhood, um, sort of cultural, religious upbringing at the time that we were part of. And that was a message really my parents internalized and then I internalized. And, 
And I ended up changing it around and making it a badge of honor, kind of. When I turned, when I was a, a young adult, I decided, well, yeah, I'm going to own that about mm. me and I'm going to be proud of it. It's not going to be a bad thing. And then, as you can imagine, I you lived in this construct for years. And of course, what do you do when you believe you often say inappropriate things? What do you think I did more of? Continue to say inappropriate things. Right. Right. When the truth was, everybody, what most people say, inappropriate things sometimes. Yeah. And, but if I'm thinking that this is a core part of who I am, I'm going to live up to my belief. Right. And, and so it was funny because once I thought, is that actually true? So you, you kind of want to take these things, starting with number 10, all the way down to number one, once you have them in order. And like they're a piece of scotch tape, just temporarily unpeel them. Like, what if I wasn't an entrepreneur? Mm. What if I wasn't successful? Mm. What if I'm not a daughter? What if I'm not, um, oh, I'm trying to think of one that relates to like diet and stuff. What if I'm not a vegan? Right. What if I'm not a vegan? What if I, what if I, yeah, just things that are so close to your heart. Yeah. Yes. It will feel weird. Cause of course you're, you're a daughter. You're not going to change that. So it just, that's fine. Just feel that that's a big part of your identity and then move on to the next one. And you'll find one most likely somewhere in your top 10 that's like this. That's kind of like a thing you've just thought about yourself, but you've never really looked at it. Or and, thought about how other people see it. Like yep. your, your experience with me, because like there's no way I could run my business if I was completely disorganized. No, you can't be all. a success really if you don't have systems and yeah. Yeah. Even if my systems don't make sense to other right. people, but it's interesting like how we have to, the way that we categorize something good or bad is based on like a norm and then or what we've inherited which is even more interesting like what are the unconscious pieces of that you've inherited or beliefs you've inherited that then shape maybe untrue yeah beliefs about yourself yeah what are untrue beliefs about yourself and which is even more interesting yeah and like what what would it mean if this wasn't true yeah like it's just, it's just, it's kind of the thing where it's helpful to look at it. It doesn't necessarily mean people that are creative, quick, especially entrepreneurs, tend to move right into act. Okay, I'm going to do this, yeah. right? Yeah. So slow, slow your roll because it can be helpful just to look at it and yeah. go, huh, and then and then look at it a little bit, unpack it, think about it, ponder it, mm. talk about it, whatever, before you decide. Right. And if you're trying to decide, you want to change it or look at it or try something or whatever, move towards what feels peaceful. Mm-hmm. You know, not towards what society would tell you maybe you need to correct mm. or you need to be more brave or big risk taker, whatever. Like, do what is a next step for you that stretches you but feels peaceful like in this that. realm. Yeah. So some of your workshops, oh. um, let's just mention, because Sarah, um, she coaches entrepreneurs. She works with companies. She works with employees. She also works with couples. So maybe you can just talk to them about... Um, what workshops are you going to be offering? Um, I found her talk to be extremely helpful. Obviously, I hope that you guys are finding this podcast to be really helpful. And I know that we went in all different areas, but really trying to cover some like bigger themes of you know unconscious, unconscious beliefs, things that hold you back, the way that we project our insecurities on other people. How do you have difficult conversations? <laughs> you know, yeah. How do you approach people or let go of people who are toxic in your life? Um, so if you're interested in any of those things, um, you might be interested in, um, some of the things that Sarah's offering. So what are some of those So things? it's funny because this is way before COVID. I started almost a year ago to really intentionally think about how to take what I do online. Um, up until then I was living inside of a construct 
that looked like I can't really authentically impact people online in a way that's meaningful for them, would be core to who I am, and would be affordable for them and make me a living. And I just didn't see anything that would answer all of those questions. But at the same time, I knew I had this calling to impact a larger part of the world than one-on-one or, or speaking or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Moment to moment. So I that was a journey that took me two or three years to arrive at, mm. okay, I can do this. And I found that. So anyways, long story short, what I'm doing and what I have been working on for almost a year now is learning this, honestly, the, the freaking technology behind all this is part of why it's taken me so long to launch my first stuff. But the date night cards are the first thing that's done. And then I have two workshops for female entrepreneurs who are in relationships that are done. So the, the first workshop is, and this goes through actually fairly deeply some of what we talked about today in a way that um, is, it's broken up in kind of mini trainings. So it's a, it's a workshop that covers six different components. So they're mini trainings, mini videos with that are average between five and 20 minutes long, depending, but then the, um, they have workbooks that are like self-coaching exercises, thoughts, journals, questions, that kind of stuff. So the identity exercise, for instance, is in the first one where we look at who we are. So that's part of the first one. So that one, they, it's called claws, couples, love and winning style. Okay. And so they, the, the reason I designed it for female entrepreneurs is because that's often who I end up working with and who loves to grow and learn and look at themselves and stuff. So this helps them unpack a lot about who they are and how they're showing up in their world, their business, and most importantly, their relationship. Mm. And then the second workshop is the companion one, which is assessing their partner using mm. the same stuff, but their partner is complete, a completely different person with completely different experiences. So they're different. It's the same thing as a workshop broken up into many videos with workbooks that are designed for their partner. So not involving their partner. This is all their stuff. So they do themselves. They kind of grow and learn. And everyone, most people know we can't really do anything until we look at ourselves, right? So then you then you turn and you look at your partner and, and you will get a much better understanding and appreciation and of who your partner is and what makes them up in the same areas. Mm-hmm. So then you kind of have a much better understanding of how to um, just have a better relationship, honestly. We don't get into relationships to work out issues. <laughs> we get in them because we like the person and we want to do life together, right? So, right. But they're, we usually end up with someone who's fairly different from us. and um, We have to work out yeah, issues. It's, yeah, at some point, part of it in a safe space, essentially, a safe and perfect space becomes becomes that that is part of it but people don't really know how to do that or they have like trauma around conflict or whatever you know so so that's the two workshops and then there's bonus um, bonuses that go with each and the one the second one where you're assessing your partner after you kind of go through all that and understand all that then then is the appropriate time to talk about the deeper things so we've talked about some of this today but there's one called family of origin patterns cool oh, that's and that is like awesome. looking yeah because you want to look at what you Humble have it. what you're yeah, aware of exactly. and what you're building right mm-hmm. and then so yeah. that that's a really it's just a huge one i think that's been for 2020 anyways so when are they on be the deck listen listen probably in the next couple of weeks i'll be launching this so okay. it's going to be at the url uh done for you date nights.com Okay. When it's ready, so you can save that or whatever. Anyway, the the um, the next thing on my deck 
and I'm, I'm kind of playing around with exactly how to do this, but I'm thinking about making something that's really just for this time, mm. for navigating relationships that have changed and boundaries and challenging situations specifically through this time. Yeah, I think that would be good. Yeah. And all of it's based on uh, research about kind of what makes relationships successful and effective and fun. And so I, I have a fun approach to this stuff. It's not like... You know, yeah. but usually there's, there's but usually helpful. one person in a, yeah, in a relationship who like likes this stuff and wants to do it. And the other person, maybe not, or maybe a little or whatever, they don't have time. So that's kind of why, and I've seen, you know, it doesn't take working with two people to change at all. It takes just working with one. Awesome. So that's what those are. Um, any, any, um, any other things that you feel would be helpful right now? Um, any last minute pieces of advice to people who are listening um, and, and going through all these changes that are happening in the world right now. Yes, I have a, I have a piece of advice. One, stop what you're doing and take a deep, deep breath. Mm. And after that, tell yourself, I'm right where I need to be mm-hmm. and I'm who I'm supposed to be. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, just making yourself, loving on yourself and learning to do that. You know, it's great to have mantras and people and mentors and stuff like that. But it's also really great to start to turn your own love inward intentionally. Awesome. Thank you for being here. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This was really great. (laughs) Really, really great. All right. Well, one day we will definitely bring Sarah back and I hope you guys uh, check her out. She's super awesome and very helpful. (laughs) Thanks for having me.